It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On Thunder Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host and founder of BricktownBuckets.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R Y L A N underscore S T I L E S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L O Thunder Pod. Email the show L O Thunder Pod at gmail.com and even call into the show for 05362 7128. On today's show, brought to you by Locker Room, let's break down this blowout loss to the Atlanta Hawks and what this means for the Thunder. But again, this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me every single week on Thursday at 11.30 a.m. Central Standard Time to get in on the action. Locker Room is changing the way we talk about sports. We had our first Locker Room on Thursday, it was a ton of fun. Thank you to everyone who joined. Uh, just answering questions, talking that way about, we talked about basketball, we talked about college basketball, we talked about everything in there, and it was about an hour long, so I appreciate everyone who was uh, involved in that. It's a live, audio-only platform, a good social media to talk sports, so join it, download it on the iOS uh, app store, and get in next week, Thursday, 11.30 a.m. Central Time. And we might do even more than once a week. Who knows? So follow me over there, Ryland underscore Styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Same as Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. I'll always let you know when I'm going to go live over there on Twitter. It's been a lot of fun. I've been hopping into other locked on hosts, you know, locker rooms and talking hoops with them, talking baseball with them over there. It's been a ton of fun. I've enjoyed it. You will too. Download Locker Room and join us over there. Every locked on host has Locker Room and is a partner with Locker Room. So we'll be hosting a lot of different meetups and hangouts over there. But let's get into this game against the Atlanta Hawks. Darius Baisley was out with a shoulder injury. As you all know, he has that shoulder contusion, which to my understanding, again, not a doctor, but to my understanding, it's like kind of a bruise, like a deep, deep bruise, like a really bad bruise. Contusions are. Maybe I'm totally wrong on that, but that's what I think it is. Uh, And Mark updated us yesterday, you know, pregame on Thursday, and he told those of us in the media that he is out week to week now. Initially, Baisley was day to day. Now he's been moved week to week. Uh, so obviously, this injury is kind of nagging him and bothering him. Mark does tell us it's on a shooting shoulder. So that also compounds the problem a bit, I think. 
But Baisley's week to week, and so you can imagine that also rules him out for Sunday and probably rules him out for just next week in general since he did decide to move that timeline to us to week to week instead of day to day. George Hill update, he's still out in this game with a thumb injury, but he's working really hard. He's still in that cast, and it doesn't sound like it's too far off for George Hill to get back into the action. Josh Hall was out with that knee injury, but then Lou Dort, Tail Maldon, and Al Horford all made their return to the lineup. Clint Capella was active for the Hawks, who was questionable entering this game. The Thunder rolled out a starting lineup of SGA, Lou Dort, Alexei Pokoshevsky, Isaiah Roby, and Al Horford. Now, those of you might be wondering, why didn't Tail start? He's typically been the starter without George Hill, and now it's Poku. Mark said that it was not necessarily a Poku for Tail swap. It was not necessarily... Uh, the reason why Tail didn't play. He says that the reason that Tail didn't, didn't start, I should say, is because of that injury that we mentioned, the, the thumb injury that he was dealing with entering this game. They wanted to keep him under 30 minutes and kind of downgrade his uh, minutes just a tick. And in this game, he plays just above 20 minutes at 21 minutes in this one. So it was kind of just load management why Tail did not start in this game. But I still expect Poku to start moving forward. Just maybe you move Roby to the bench and put Poku at power forward and uh, tail mouth on back in that group of the three-guard lineup. But we'll see what happens on Sunday against the Rockets. In this game, the Thunder just came out flat, and they were just really atrocious in the first quarter. The offense was ugly. They didn't score their seventh point in this game. They didn't score their seventh point in this game until the five-minute mark whenever Isaiah Roby hit a free throw. The Thunder were down 25-8. to eight. Mark had to use two timeouts in the early stages of the first quarter, but at the end of the first, Oklahoma City got it back within 10. They were down 10 points at the end of one, even after they shot five of nine from three, but just one of 12 from the two-point range in that frame. They just were not very good. But, but I think that you saw this team make some, some counter punches. The problem is Atlanta had a punch right back. Like Atlanta never let the Thunder truly get back in this one. Again, the Thunder got back down by 10 and at the end of the first, but Atlanta answered right back, and Atlanta did a great job all night of counterpunching the Thunder's counterpunch. And whenever you start ahead, you're in that great position to be able to do that and fend off these comebacks. Oklahoma City, again, got within 10, couldn't get closer than that, and then they got just absolutely blown out, which opens up a conversation. This is a yet another blowout loss, a back-to-back blowout loss, and typically the Thunder have performed well on these kind of bounce-back games, especially when they get back players like Al Horford. But in this game, the Thunder were without George Hill and Darius Baisley. That was it. Other than that, you're totally healthy. I know that Josh Hall is still out, but Josh Hall's a two-way guy. You're not going to really rely on Josh Hall to be the difference maker and a blowout loss to Atlanta. You're without two players. And really, you've been without George Hill for most of the year, so you're really only down one piece that you heavily rely on in Darius Baisley, who has not been particularly good this year, even though I do think that he'll have a really good second half of the year once he's healthy. All in all, you are healthy all things considered, right? For this stage of the season, you are as healthy as teams can get. And you got blown out by the Hawks. Got blown out the other night against Chicago. This is a young team that has hung their hat and staked their reputation to coming out every night, playing with intensity, playing with hustle, playing with energy, playing with heart, right? All of that is going to be put on the line on Sunday. Because if this team goes up against the Rockets team that's been incredibly bad, that is on a franchise-high losing streak, that can seemingly do nothing right, and they come out flat, 
or God forbid they lose to a Rockets team that's lost 18 straight, then you have to sound the alarms a bit and wonder if this is the beginning of the end of that highly competitive team that we saw in the first half. Because eventually, it's human nature to give in, right? Give in to what's been said about this team. They're young, they're supposed to lose, they're supposed to tank, and they're not supposed to try as hard as they do, and they're supposed to just kind of cruise control to the end. And eventually, if you keep getting blown out like this, you'll lose that sort of effort and motor that you had early on. So I think that this upcoming stretch here where you play Minnesota and Houston, Houston going first, you have to either get back to that or you're going to lose that, in my opinion, for the rest of this year. But look, winning a couple games against Houston and Minnesota is not going to turn the tide of this season. The Thunder team is not very good. They're finally hitting their stride of where the front office wants them to be. Since the bubble, the front office has done everything in their power to make this team worse, and it's finally coming to fruition. Even if they win these next two games at Houston and at Minnesota, Minnesota's playing a lot better than they were before, and then Houston again got Christian Wood back, and so maybe they're looking to snap that 18-game losing streak. Then you face Minnesota, Boston, Dallas, Toronto, who just got everyone back from the COVID list, Phoenix, Portland. That is a brutal stretch where I think that you're going to lose every single one of them. And that can really zap the energy out of a team. So if you want something to watch for and monitor moving forward, it's how can they avoid that wall? How can they avoid hitting that wall together collectively as a team? How can they avoid giving in to what they're supposed to be? And another thing to to really adjust for yourself is that these games are going to become more normalized down the stretch here. They're finally sinking into their plan and their goal of tanking, of losing games. And you have to be like that sand game at a at a corn maze, cornfield, the, the little fall thing you go to every year, where you know you, you put this little put this little washboard looking thing that has like a net in the middle of it. You stick it in the sand and you raise it up and all the sand falls out and you see what, what was inside the sand. I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but he has to be able to do that with this team and anyone with every single game where you, you stick down your searching device into this, this crap of a bad basketball game, the Thunder lose by 20, and then you lift up your searching device, all the sand falls out, all the crappy plays fall out, and you're left with a, a few things to take away from this game, such as Ty Jerome's play, which we'll get to later on, such as SGA's third quarter, which we're going to get to later on. And you live with that more so than you live with the surface-level sand of a win or a loss. If you have any idea what I'm talking about, and actually I think it's from like a like the science complex or whatever that place is called in Oklahoma City. Omniplex is what I think it's called. I don't really know what I'm talking about for the most part. I, I can visualize what I'm talking about. I don't know how to explain what I'm talking about. So if you know what I'm talking about, let me know what it's called on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. But this is going to be what this team is moving forward, right? Again, you're, you're, you're just about fully healthy and you got blown out by the Hawks. You got blown out by the Bulls. You got beat by the Knicks. And you got an amazing comeback against Memphis, which should be praised and all. And you beat a Dallas team that did not have KP or Luka. And you almost blew that, right? So, so this is who this team is. And you don't have to go through the whole, oh, what an embarrassing showing. You know, that, that's, that gets thrown around every time the Thunder of a bad defensive game. What an embarrassing showing. It's not embarrassing. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is what this team is. It's a young team that's going to have nights like this. They're also going to have nights like Memphis where – they come out, they play better than they are, they play above their pay, they, they play above their skill set, and they can shock a team here and there. But I think that teams will be more prepared for Oklahoma City moving forward, and that these are kind of the results you can expect, especially in this stretch here coming up of Memphis, Boston, Dallas, Toronto, Phoenix, Portland. That's going to be brutal. 
So try to look for the buried treasure within the sand. We'll get to that in the second segment. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends over at betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is the easiest and fastest way to bet on all your sport action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus to your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, promo code locked on, 50% welcome bonus to your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportbook experts. We'll get to my bet of the day for the Thunder. I went one and one today thanks to a just heart-pounding win by myself to get Wichita State plus the two. Wichita State lost by one. I got the win there, and I'm 1-0 in March Madness. So I did that at betonline.ag, and I used promo code Locked On 50% welcome bonus in first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportbook experts. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I want to tell you about our good friends over at the Locked On Today podcast. Get more of the sport news you need in less time with the new Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcast from. I love Locked On Today to get caught up on all the sport news from around the other league, so I never miss a thing. So we mentioned the ugly offense by Oklahoma City. We mentioned the fact that these games might become more normal and you have to just search for something good to come from it. One good thing in this game was Al Horford. Al Horford was a nice veteran presence who hit some timely threes in those stretches where you thought you could throw a counter punch. He goes two for six from beyond the arc, has the 11 points, the two steals, the one block, the six rebounds, two assists. He played better than the box score. Again, the box score is not going to be too positive for anyone on this team, but it, it it does not do Al Horford much justice. And just watching the way that he fits on this team and the way he, that he works with Shea and the way that he helps grow these young players is making Sam Presti look like a genius. And that's not to say that Al Horford will ever be worth a first-round pick. I'm, I'm not sure if he'll ever reach that value, especially on this contract. But it is allowing Sam Presti to do the posturing that he needs to do. Sam Presti, if you read these articles, is basically telling teams that they're not just in the market of giving away Al Horford for for nothing or especially not attaching anything to give away Al Horford because they view him as an asset and they view him as somebody who can be around for the length of this contract and it would not be detrimental to the Thunder from, from a salary perspective, from a roster flexibility perspective, 
or from a development standpoint. In fact, it'll be even better for Shea's development to keep Al Horford around. So if you want Al Horford, you're going to have to give up something of value to get him. And that is really looking good in games like this, where he was not a pouting veteran. He did his job the correct way, and, and he just made Sam Presley look smart. Now, I, I think that that is posturing, as I said, but it would be absolutely called out if Al Horford did anything but what he's doing right now. So for Sam Presley to be able to, to posture like that is thanks to Al Horford and also thanks to the fact that Oklahoma City does have a clean cap sheet moving forward to where this contract would not kill them if they kept this contract moving forward. But I still think it'll be too hard to move Al Horford within this season, but I do think he is moved in the offseason as the free agent pool starts to dwindle. In this game, SGA, like everyone else, was bad in the first half. He goes 1 for 9, 0 for 3 from 3, and only gets to the free throw line two times, goes 2 for 2. He had 4 points and 2 turnovers in the first half. Oklahoma City was down 20 points. But he had an amazing third quarter. He was an elite finisher at the rim in the third quarter, and he pulls up his averages to 44% from the field, 25% from 31 for 4. He goes for 19 points, 4 assists, and 3 rebounds. SGA's finishing ability was awesome. Uh, he talked about how he got more aggressive in the second half, how he was hunting his spots more in the second half and not just allowing the defense to kind of, now these were not his words, but kind of push him around or dictate what he was going to do. Instead, he made the defense react to him and not the other way around is the is the vibe that I got watching this game. And he said as much in the, in the post-game press conference that you know he got more aggressive in the second half. And watching it, you could tell in the first half, he was kind of letting the, the defense double him or letting the defense put pressure on him at the rim. And in the second half, he was beating the defense to where he wanted to go. He was forcing the defense to, okay, I'm either going to have to defend Shea and leave Isaiah Roby and then have Shea have an amazing pass to Roby for an easy layup, or I'm going to defend Roby and leave Shea and Shea's going to have an amazing finish off the glass or spot up jumper. And Shea played more of his style in that third quarter. And that's how he turned into a, a decent box score type game for Shea. I thought Tail Maldon, especially dealing with an injury, looked good. Four for 10 from the floor, two for five from beyond the arc. He had four assists, two rebounds, 10 points, and only one turnover. He deserves some credit there. Moses Brown did make some improvements defensively, and you saw in this game that he only got one foul. He did not have the huge defensive numbers. He only got one defensive rebound and only got one block and one steal. So it was not the massive defensive numbers game from him. But you could see that he was picking things up better and he was rotating better. He was playing within the team's shell a lot better than what he was even in that big night against Chicago. And some of his fouls, again, in this game, he only had one foul, so that's really good. But some of most of his fouls still at this point have just been due to his youth and due to his just rawness as a player that you hope will get phased out in a couple games or a couple months or even next year. But Moses Brown with Al Horford back plays 23 minutes. Al Horford plays 24 minutes. Now, this is a blowout game, so it's hard to tell what the minutes would have been if it was a normal game and not a game in which the Thunder were down by 20 points basically the entire time. But this is what I predicted in the locker room session and the hangout session and uh, in the preview in the preview pod that Al Horford would be the announced a starter, but Moses Brown minutes would still come to him and they'd still play about the same minutes, give or take. And they played the same minutes. I mean, Al Horford got one more minute than, than Moses Brown and he was the quote unquote starter. So if you're like me and you like watching Moses Brown, he's going to be on the floor plenty moving forward in the second half of the season. But in this game, who was the MVP? Who was the best player on the floor for the Oklahoma City Thunder? Let's find out right now. 
right now. You the real MVP. The MVP of this game for the Oklahoma City Thunder is, of course, Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome in 24 minutes and 22 seconds had a career night off the bench, and he showed exactly why he can be a part of this Thunder team long-term because he has a very special skill set and a very special tool, which is going to be very important for Mark Dagnott moving forward, and that's his versatility. He can do so many things moving forward. He can do so many things night to night and change the way he plays night to night and do whatever is needed for the team around him that it's a good trait to have for a coach who has since the beginning, since he's taken over this job every single time that we have talked to Mark Dagnott, he's told us that he cares and values about he cares and values versatility more than just about anything in the realm of basketball. And so Ty Jerome provides that. And you saw that tonight, not just the three-point shooting, but more than that. He has a career-high 18 points, has a career-high six threes made. He shoots 75% from beyond the arc. He was awesome. I want to talk more about him. I want to talk about what Woj said about the Thunder nearing this trade deadline. I want to talk about all of that coming up. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a phenomenal protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. And use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at PillBar.com. Check back to see who won each matchup at PillBar.com or go to their Twitter at Bill underscore Bar because it's March and it's Built Bar March Madness where we have an entire tournament to crown the very best tasting protein bar. I've told you about Bill Bars for so long. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, 100% chocolate on the outside of every single bar. My personal favorite is the cookies and cream option. I want to know your favorite though. So in this tournament, tell me what flavor gets your vote. Mine is cookies and cream. But today's matchup is between caramel brownie and double chocolate. Listen, I've got to go caramel brownie. They're both good, but double chocolate sometimes is too chocolatey. And caramel brownie is just incredible. So vote for your favorite at billboard.com and also at bar underscore built on Twitter. Remember to use our promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. LOCKED15, 15% off your next order. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we are back on the Locked On Thunder podcast. When this show is over, go check out Locked On Fantasy Basketball. When you need fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source. More people trust Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast, than any other fantasy basketball podcast in the world. It's the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world, hosted by Josh Lloyd, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, anywhere you get your podcast from. So I want to talk right now about Ty Jerome some more. Ty Jerome was a very special player to me. I think that Ty Jerome has versatility in a special way for a bench player. Not very many bench players can adapt their role night to night 
the way that Ty Jerome can. And what I mean by that is that his entire role can change. So one night, if the roster construction needs be, he can be a playmaking guard. He can be someone who sets up teammates, who facilitates offense, who carries offensively. And then the next night, if the team construction needs be, he can just be a straight-up spot-up shooter that is a sniper on the floor that can allow your playmakers to do work and, and space the floor for your facilitators like SGA, like Tail Maldon. And you saw it tonight whenever he's just a, a spot-up shooter and goes five for eight from the three-point land, or six for eight, I should say, from the three-point land. With his two assists, and, and all of his assists are just flashy plays, it feels like. He makes some incredible passes. But being able to do both, being able to be both a spot-up shooter and also a floor general is very crucial moving forward, especially for a coach who values versatility the way that Mark Dignott does and an organization that values versatility the way the Thunder do. I think that sometimes we can get too caught up in who's a part of this future because we know that not everyone can be a part of this future. We know that the roster crunch has to happen, that you have to make room for all these draft picks in this year's class, not to mention any other moving parts. But Ty Jerome has a legitimate case for being the long-term guy here of these fringe guys because of that versatility, because of that incredibly important asset of making threes. The bet of the day outcome, I had Oklahoma City plus seven that obviously did not hit. And then Tail Maldon, I had leading the team in three-pointers made. Obviously, he did not do that. Ty Jerome made six of them. So he takes home the money ball for today's game. I want to talk real quick about the Woj pod that dropped where he's talking about how Oklahoma City is fielding calls on everyone, pretty much George Hill and Justin Jackson and Kendrick Williams, Mike Muscala, of course, and that they will at least move one of those guys. First of all, it's a bit of an easy thing to predict. They're obviously going to move George Hill, and Mike Muscala's not even playing right now, so you imagine that Mike Muscala, who's having a borderline career year as a bench player, is going to get moved as well. I do find it interesting how the minutes for Kenny Hustle has slowly ticked down and Kenny Hustle can be a valuable contributor for every single playoff team, which I feel like we say about a lot of players on this Thunder team. Kenny Hustle can be really good and a plug and play guy and, and that energy giver for a playoff team. And it's no surprise playoff teams are calling about him right now. And I think if this team trades Kenny Hustle, as I said earlier this week, if this team trades Kenny Hustle, there is no more debating. There's no more entertaining the idea that this team is doing anything but tanking. Now, most of you are smart enough to see that, but there's still a vocal minority holding on to this idea that they're not tanking. If you trade Kenny Hustle, there's absolutely no way possible that you can say that you're not tanking. Of this group, I think that, of course, Muscala and Hill are the most likely to get moved. But if I was a playoff team and if I was a GM of a playoff team, I'd be trying everything I can to get Kenny Hustle onto my team. Are we sure that in 2021, Kenny Hustle would not help a team more than P.J. Tucker? I think he'll help a team more than what Trevor Rees will help the Heat with. So I, I think that Kenny Hustle should be a valued commodity, and we'll see if the Thunder will give him up. But news can start to break at any time now as we get closer and closer to the deadline on Thursday. Do not forget, on Thursday, every single week, we'll have our locker room hangouts over on Locker Room app. And then also on Thursday, the trade deadline, we're going to have a trade deadline special at Locked on NBA. It'll be a live show hosted by an assortment of our Locked on NBA talent. I'll hop in there if and when Oklahoma City does anything crazy on deadline day. So be sure to join us on both those fronts. We're going to be back here on Monday to recap the game 
against the Houston Rockets. This is Locked on Thunder, the daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. I am Rylan Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. Follow on Locker Room, Rylan underscore Styles, same thing. We'll see you on Monday. Be good and be good to one another. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.